Thursday, June 15th, market call. I got to tell you, EY from SoFi, as crazy as I've whacked out as I've been, today is the day where I'm, I'm over the top. So much so that if you could see, Elizabeth brought the it's my lunch. popcorners yeah. spicy queso. Now, I'm just going to tell you folks out there, if I were to eat one of these, I wouldn't make it through market call. I'm just oh, saying. Sure you, but they're not that spicy. No, this they, is, no I'm this not talking about the spice portion. Okay. What that would do to my constitution, <laughs> I cannot speak about on the show. But today's market call is brought to you by, of course, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And SoFi. Come on, Elizabeth. Get your money right all in one app. Yeah. The craziness of today is Thursday typically butters. Yeah. No butters today. I guess somebody's on a freaking diet. Because Butter said dry toast today. Dry toast today. <laughs> and Dan is not with us either. So it's just the two of us. Watch this out. could go off the complete rails. This, this will go off. But before the we get rails, into I'm the whole sure. thing, and you got a great note, like you channeled your inner Diana Ross, that whole, <laughs> you know, and I could do that whole, you know, the honkette thing. Today is today. I don't, as confused as I've been, today has sort of got me over the top. Really? What do you think is happening today? Because I heard that. I heard him say there are potentially two more hikes this year. I yeah. heard that. Yeah. But inflation is not dead. I heard all those things. Yeah. I'm like, my God, the market, this is going to be an 80 S&P handle day yesterday. And at one point it was down 50, got it all back. And here we are today. Thoughts? Well, I think, I mean, what have you been saying this whole time? The market's up because it's open. Yeah, well, that's right? fair. So it opened. We're up. I think a couple things. Number one, there hasn't been irrefutable evidence so far that the bear case is true. There hasn't been irrefutable evidence that the economy is actually headed for disaster. So this whole, you know, we can still orchestrate some kind yeah. of soft, no, whatever type of unlanding that might or might not occur. <laughs> but also, I don't really care. And I put this in my note today. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah, he said yeah. that there might be two more hikes. He said that the process is probably not done. I think there was actually even a Freudian slip when he said the word skip and then went back on it and said, we shouldn't call it a skip, right? So perhaps for the most part, they're expecting to raise again in July. The market though, doesn't necessarily believe them. It believes them that maybe there's one more hike coming, doesn't believe that there's two. I frankly don't believe that there are any more coming. Yeah. I think that they probably have to stop. And there are a couple of reasons for that, which we can get into not just because the data is softening and hasn't necessarily gotten better. It hasn't gotten worse, so to speak, but it hasn't necessarily gotten better. But the big reason that I think they're going to have to be done is the liquidity piece. And that's about to start in fervor today. The liquidity piece is a great point that I don't think the market recognizes at all. And I hear what you're saying. But then I look at the ECB and they're saying, you know what? We know our economy. I'm paraphrasing. Sure. Our economy sucks. Doesn't matter. Raising rates. Bank of Canada. Yeah. Things are sort of ish raising rates. I mean, these things are seemingly out of nowhere. They understand the problems that they have. They're weighing the two problems and they're saying, you know what? The inflation problem is bigger than the slowing economy problem. I think the same thing is true here. Yeah. The market doesn't believe it to your point. Right. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Well, I think the other thing, actually, that's it's a good point to bring up the ECB. I was talking to my analyst today. He asked the same question. I don't understand why yields are rallying a little bit. Well, if you think about you're in Europe, right? You've got inflation that's still, I don't even know what it is right now. I think above 7% still, right? They've got a bigger inflation problem than we have here. They've got more problematic growth headwinds than we have here. They've got a consumer that kind of fell asleep at the wheel and the luxury brands aren't doing so well over there. So it's pretty easy to look at Europe and say, hey guys, things aren't going very well. 
if the capital just flooded maybe out of Europe into the U.S., maybe this is more of a dollar trade Could today, be. maybe dollar versus euro, right? You don't want that, so you do want this. Maybe it's, it has nothing to do really with the idea that we've gotten any better, that things have improved here. The other piece that I think still, and, and this is going to be the worst analogy that I've I'll ever- do it. I'm Why not? Dan's flying, not here. Flying we can do, anything we, we can do right, anything we so, want. Because I'm going to the NICE after this. That's the New York in, Stock Exchange. In the women's bathroom. Playing, pardon me? In the women's bathroom at the New York Stock Exchange, right. there are a little signs on the garbage cans that say, oh, wait, wait a second. Please don't tell me about. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear about the certain things you have to throw <laughs> no, in the garbage no, can. No, I'm not. No, it's not what I'm going to do. Nope. But there are signs on the garbage cans that say, do not use this for garbage. <laughs> so, oh, so I, and I, I, I don't know who to ask about what should I use it okay, for. Okay. So right? it's interesting. I think what they're saying is if you bring in your soda cans in here and your lunch bags, okay. do it somewhere else, pal. Fine. Then, this is just like, you know, if you, you know, wash your face, the paper towels. Okay. But I get it. No. But I understand exactly what you're saying. It's madness. Right. Here's a garbage can. Do not use this for right. garbage, right? I think that there should be signs on things like yield curve inversions, oh, valuations. I want, to, I want to talk about I, that. We, any, you name the signal, right? And you should have a sign on it right now that says, do not use this as a signal. Yeah. Because what it's signaling is that things are not going well. It's Disaster. signaling that there's a problem coming. Liquidity measures are signaling the same thing. But maybe there should be a sign on all of it that just says, do not use this as a signal as a market gauge yeah well it's interesting because i follow you on the twitter oh you do at, at liz young, you know stop it don't we <laughs> i mean you know that i follow you on the twitter at liz young strat yeah that's that's, that's where what, i am and i guarantee all the trabonis that are watching this right now i can say that as a joke they follow you on the twitter as well you should have more followers Maybe. than you do but you know what be that as it may yesterday you put out on the twitter oh my god 96 basis points to 96 inversion yesterday. I think mm -hmm. it's 90-ish now. I was, not mm -hmm. that it matters, clearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just 42 basis points a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. We went from flat to 111 to 42 to 96. That's a that's flashing red. That's like danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. But to your point, don't throw the garbage in here. Don't use this as an indicator because clearly it's not. But it is. Yeah. I'm yelling. I yeah. don't mean to yell. At You're me. yelling, yelling in my direction, perhaps. I'm yelling. So, I'm just yelling. I'm not yelling at you. Okay. You can yell with me. I'll start yelling. Yeah, please. And we can just yell together. So, okay. The inversions, I looked at this today with my analyst. I got to give him all the shout outs, mm -hmm. right? Because we were talking about the inversions and, and you have to play the whole thought through. And I said, pull up a long-term chart of the twos, tens inversion. Has there ever been a time? where we inverted, decisively inverted for an extended period of time. And it, there wasn't a recession that followed. If you really, if you're not counting the little ones where we like sniff an inversion, we stay there no, for no, seven we've minutes. We've been right? here for a while. We have. There has never been one this deep that was not followed by a recession. There has been an inversion. So back in the mid nineties, and, and I'll get into that too. Actually, my biggest fear right now is that we repeat the mid nineties, but in the mid nineties, we inverted not nearly this much. We inverted and then we uninverted and kind of bounced around in like a flat-ish area for a long time over that same period in the mid-90s. This is in the note as well. We stayed above 5% Fed funds rate for like four years, mm -hmm. okay? So if that's the case, we've got higher for longer, maybe above 5%. Which they've told you, they, the Federal Reserve. If the yield curve uninverts, maybe it bounces around in that sort of zero-ish neutral territory, which by the way, not great for financials, not great for just capital in general, right? There's no real reason to flood capital in mm -hmm. or out. So it gets kind of frozen and we get stuck. 
And then, okay, so we we sort of muddle through that period in the mid-90s, four years above 5%, this sort of middle inversion sort of scenario. And then what happens? 99, 2000, all hell breaks loose. So my biggest fear right now is that if this is the same as the mid-90s, where we happen to raise rates, we avert recession for years, maybe that's possible. Still one happens, right? Still one happens maybe in the same even way in the market that this is setting up for, where mm -hmm. you've got this big run up in tech, you've got kind of a boom on a theme that isn't necessarily happening yet. And then the recession happens, the the bubble breaks, but it doesn't break for three or four years down the road. The right. analog is clearly there. Here's, I agree with you. Here's what would concern me more. I think things happen exponentially faster in 2023 yeah. Yeah. than happened in the mid 1990s. So for a myriad of different reasons. So I think you're right to point, point out that analog. The concern, I think, with things could be sort of accelerated. And a day like today just sort of, I think, galvanizes and hammers home your point. Things mm -hmm. get out of control valuation-wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks everything's okay. Below the surface, you have all these concerns. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, there's this come-to-Jesus moment, I think. I love your note. Maybe. I mean, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Were you with Diana Ross is, and the is Supremes? He, is he coming well, you know, it's again? interesting about. Are we still waiting for the second coming of Christ? Speaking, by the way, did you I, hear about this crocodile? I don't remember where me. it was. There's a crocodile somewhere that had like the Immaculate Conception. A crocodile that had a, it gave birth without an actual, yeah, with, without a yeah, without so a partner, it, like the Christ. So croc, it was a, it was a, croc so it was. <laughs> so this was a solitary croc. Where where is? Said I don't croc? remember Florida. I don't know. Uh, things. Uh, you know what? Forget about weird things happen in Florida. Some dude in the middle of the night after a couple Budweisers could have inseminated that crocodile. Just you know. So I don't want to get into immaculate crocodile stuff because that's not what we're tasked to do. Dan's okay. watching right now. He's like, oh my god, what are you people talking about? The Supremes started out as the Supremes. There were just like, right. you know, three of them. Yeah. And they were yeah. ladies that could sing. Uh -huh. And then somebody said, you know what, Diana, you're sort of the front you're person at, here. At so this. then it became <laughs> Diana Ross and the Supremes. And then she just did her own thing. Uh -huh. I mean, that was sort of the iteration. Uh -huh. But your note speaks to exactly that. Fed's June 6th. Stop in the yep. name, not, not of love. <laughs> stop in the name of lags. Now, I don't know where you were when you wrote this. Maybe you were in your car. Uh, or, I was at home. Or home. Yeah. Now, Typically, when you write, do you have a like a snifter of scotch no. or no? You're, no, you're I write these. Okay, I've no, told you fair. this before. I write these. My deadline is noon on oh. Wednesdays. Oh, it's okay. So, so this is like Wednesday not. mornings. A lot of times I try to get it done early. But if it's a Fed meeting, my deadline's later in the day. Because so it gives I gotta you time. Wait. Yeah, yeah. But there's still not a snifter of okay, scotch. I apologize. I'm not yeah. suggesting you drink and write. I'm no. just wondering because no. sometimes I, wouldn't recommend it, I get my best thoughts sometimes. It's a nice scotch, neat. Okay. No? Neat means no, no ice. ice. That's not your thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think summer is the time for warm brown stuff. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> That's, you know what? You make an excellent point because it leads to uh, potentially, don't say it, guy, other warm brown <laughs> stuff. But let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> Let's okay. talk about you anyway, Sorry, please. Stop in the name of legs. Please. So originally I had this as stop in the name of doves because dove rhymed with love, but then nobody was a dove, so I couldn't do it. Um, you know what? We could have gone with it. Yeah, I could have. Okay. I see what you so, did, though. The whole, the crux of the message yesterday was we know that there are legs in the effect of all of our tightening. Our tightening has been sort of effective, but not entirely effective. I came into this meeting frustrated. I mean, I've been frustrated for the better part of eight months, but mm -hmm. I came into this meeting frustrated because I'm thinking to myself, 
and I, I did Squawk Box yesterday morning and I felt the same sentiment, you could make the argument in either direction. And in both cases, you probably can find factual evidence. So let's just take inflation, for example. Mm -hmm. You could look at inflation today and say it's less than half of what it was last June. That is a factual statement. Right, I'm going to stop right? you for a second. Yep. That's a factual statement. I think 9.1, yep. it was 9.1, right? 9 June of 22. Yep. And now we're whatever we are now. 4.0. Let's call it, okay, fair enough. So it's yep. less than half. Yep. Definitely. Factual statement, right? Is inflation even the concern at this point for the markets? I, I'm not trying to be a wise person here, but the inflation genie came and went. Yep. The Fed, in, in, in order to fight that, they've done these hikes. Yeah. The lag effect is what we should be concerned about, not necessarily inflation. But I understand what you're saying. So continue. Well, I think inflation is the concern if you're I'm a bull. I'm concerned about it. Well, I think it, but I think if you're a bull, it's the concern because it's no longer a concern in that Fair. sense, right? And you look at it from that perspective and say, we cut it more than in half. This is going in the right direction. It's come down pretty much in a linear fashion. But what did we need to do in order to get it there? It's like right. the, the analogy I made yesterday, you have this raging fire and every fire department within, you know, however many different boroughs, districts comes in, yep. they pour a shitload of water on it to tamp the fire down. Everybody says, great, the fire's out. Yep. And then at some point they'll look around and say, holy shit, look at all this water damage we have to deal with. I think we're right. sort of, at that holy shit moment. But that's just me. Very Please. possible. Very possible. But I think it's driving the optimism, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's this sort of assumption, or maybe not really assumption, but this idea that you've got inflation coming down, the labor market is still strong, some of the other indicators coming in, not terrible, not great, but not terrible, right? So everybody expected growth to slow. We've got indications that growth is in fact slowing, but we don't really have indications that there's some sort of Armageddon growth situation here. So Right now, I think what the market is trading on, which is why maybe I'm not quite as confused or perplexed mm -hmm. today, is that everything that's happening in the moment that we're hearing in the moment is being assumed that we'll extrapolate out into the future, either at the same rate of strength or at the same rate of cooling. So if we assume that inflation continues to cool at this rate, things are actually going to look pretty good by the end of the year. If now we add on top of that, the Fed's saying, you know what, we're kind of done. We might be done for good. If we're not done, we're close to done, right? We're going to declare the job almost over. So put that all together and it's like, well, what is there to be worried about, right? But to your point, there's a lot that still has to be seen. Mm -hmm. The liquidity piece is the, probably the biggest part of it that is difficult to wrap your head around because there's a lot of different angles of it. The other argument, though, and this is what I was saying before, you can make both arguments with factual statements. So, yes, less than half of what it was last summer, inflation, still twice what it should be, right? And if you look at core inflation, much more than twice what it should be, still sitting at 5.3%, and that's core CPI, which mm -hmm. is different than PCE, but still twice what it should be, which then would send the signal that the Fed says they're going to have to raise two more times. Maybe they will have to. Maybe they have to go more than that. Maybe the job won't ever actually get done. Or maybe we just get a shift in narrative later that's like, we gave up on 2% entirely. Now it's 3%, which, okay, but that keeps all prices elevated, right? That keeps pressure on consumers more than there was pre-pandemic. And that keeps capital more difficult to get for businesses and for consumers. So, and I think the capital portion, you're exactly right. Again, I've said this, and I think you agree. At this point, it's not even, I think the yield curve is absolutely telling you something, mm -hmm. but let's just shelve that for a second. In terms of though, access to capital, I don't even know if it matters where rates go at this point. Banks are, it's going to be more difficult to access capital mm -hmm. for medium-sized and small businesses Already without is. question. Yeah. Already is. Yep. That has to filter its way through when you have an economy that's 73% driven by 
people buying shit, people that in large numbers, probably more than 60% work at medium and small size businesses. So I don't know how this thing gets, you know, I understand people wanting to be optimistic. I totally get it. But when you just look at the dominoes and stuff, it, it doesn't really lend itself to a bullish scenario for the economy, which at some point should feed its way into the market. You have a dot plot thing I want to look at as well. I can't even believe you brought yeah. this, but it's sort of cool. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, this is like the wonk. This is wonky EY from SoFi. <laughs> but let's take a look at it because it tells, I think it tells a story. Uh -huh. Here we are, middle of June, 2023. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, the, so the dots are getting more dispersed, right? Okay. And you've got what I think is going to happen. I was actually surprised that yesterday was a unanimous vote. I think that we're going to start to see non-unanimous votes <clears throat> on the FOMC. These dots probably spread out even further. You're going to have people that think we should stop, people that think we've gone too far. You're going to have Jerome Powell kind of stuck in the middle. And there's also this idea that because they paused, things have gotten more certain as if, okay, they're done. Now maybe they're going to pull their foot off the gas. We don't have to worry about this as much. The uncertainty has lessened. I actually think it's gotten worse. Agreed. The uncertainty has gotten higher because number one, we don't know what they're going to do and when they're going to do it anymore. It was pretty predictable before. We can let the market try to tell them what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. But I think there's probably a surprise coming at some point, whether it's a surprise we're never hiking again or a surprise bigger hike than we thought, a longer pause, a short. I don't know. At this point, it could go in any direction. I, I agree with that. And the market does not like surprises. So if we have priced right now, which I think we have, we've priced for perfection. We've priced for the idea that we know exactly what's going to happen on the Fed for the next three to four meetings. I don't know that that's a reasonable assumption. And the dot plot, number one, this was a big jump, right? From 5.1% terminal rate to 5.6% terminal huge. rate in one meeting. It's big. That's a big jump. And it's a bigger jump than what the Fed actually thought inflation was going to go up by. And that's something else that's notable. This is just math, right? We had a dot plot that went up by 50 basis points, an inflation assumption that really only went up by, I think, 20 basis points. It wasn't as big, maybe 30 basis points, which means that they still fully intend to get even more restrictive. That's yes. a, that's a veiled signal that they still don't think this is restrictive enough. And if they don't think this is restrictive enough, that means we tighten the screws even more in a time when the screws have already been tightened and when some of this starts to feed through the system. That's, to me, that is the surprise, the, that they're going to go. Look, today the market is saying, you know what, bullshit. You, you're not going to rate, you're not going to hike two more times this year. As a mm -hmm. matter of fact, by this time next year, we'll probably have cut a couple times. I don't mm -hmm. think that's happening. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter what I think. It's what the market thinks right now. But I think you're right. The surprise is going to come in the form of what we saw again. Mm -hmm. ECB, not necessarily as much a surprise. Bank of Canada, clear surprise. And we're going to start seeing that across a swath, I think, of economies. Yeah. Upper bound of Fed fund rate target. I think this tells a story as well. I mean, you brought this slide with you, too. Yeah. This one, I, I mean, I hate this picture because it doesn't say good things, but no, I like it, but it because it's over a long period of time. You can see every single cycle that there's data for here. And there, I said, there's three takeaways about this. First of all, more often than not, not every time, but more often than not, a hiking cycle is followed by a recession. You've got things like this hiking cycle looking much more steep than others. And the only time, and I mentioned this earlier, the only time that it wasn't followed immediately by a recession was in the mid nineties, but we had a fed funds rate above 5% for four years. I am skeptical. Number one, that we'll be able to stay above 5% for that long, but I'm even more skeptical that we can sustain that, that businesses can sustain that, that the market can sustain that, that valuations can sustain that. Right. 
So if that happens, and then by the way, that period ended with a pretty big recession and a pretty big bubble bursting in technology. I agree with your skepticism. Can we withstand it, endure it? Can companies uh, profit well in that environment? Mm -hmm. They might not have a choice. I mean, right. that might be what we need to do in order to sort of get things to a normalized, get the get the Fed's balance sheet down to some whatever normalized number is, get rates to a normalized level and have the companies operate and figure it out. Right. We have not felt any pain at all in terms of the market Certainly, to a certain extent, not the economy, because the economy still seems to be doing fine with 500 or so basis points of hikes. I mean, the lag effect that you speak of and that the, the Fed is concerned about, when it kicks in, it's going to kick in like a fucking, pardon my French. Whoa. Well, it's I mean, we're that show, kind of day, kids. but like a mule. Eep. You ever been behind a mule? I mean, they don't mess <laughs> a around. There's a difference between, <laughs> I think a mule is the offspring of a donkey and a horse. <laughs> Why do you know that? I don't know anything, but a mule is different than a donkey. A donkey is a donkey. I just think donkey is such a funny word. It, it is sort of a funny <laughs> it's word. It's my favorite. But you grew my up in the Midwest. There were probably a lot. Of, you probably went to like petting zoos that had donkeys. That's, that's and fact. you probably said, yeah. you said it's just, oh my God, look at the donkey over there. Let's llamas. go. A lot of llamas, too. Which llamas if, are a weird. If there's thing. somebody out there that can tell me why at state fairs in the Midwest, we, we rode llamas <laughs> because that's what we did. You'd put your kid on a llama and you'd have six llamas. Well, I'll tell you why, because it gave the parents, it. you know, 15 minutes of respite. But why they, llamas? Why not You couldn't ponies? put them on anything. Maybe the llamas were cheaper. <laughs> cows. By the way, Neil Young, I think, and Russ Never Sleeps, which by the way, you should look at my I got a lot of movies too. No, Russ Never Sleeps is a Neil Young album. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I, okay. I we last night again, Dan is watching. He's and Amanda, I'm sure. I don't hear anybody because I don't have my IFB in my ear. Yeah, yeah everybody who's watching should know yeah. that Guy and I aren't yeah, listening this to is, what this is untethered us. But Russ Never Sleeps <laughs> is is on my list of perfect albums. You might want to look oh. at my Twitter account. I put it out about 20 minutes ago whilst in the car, which took me about an hour and 37 minutes to get. Not mm. that anybody cares. That's first world mm -hmm. problem. About an hour and 37 minutes. About. Not uh, a minute no, longer. But, yeah, well, I shouldn't say, when you're talking about, yeah, about an hour and a half would have been right, but uh -huh. a, an hour and 37 minutes is precise. I appreciate you pointing that out. Uh -huh. But Ride My Llama is a song <laughs> <laughs> on that album. I'm okay, just hold saying. on. Let me get us back on the road. So, so, okay. So, I anyway. I want to go back to this long term Fed upper bound. No, because uh, but, it's important. Well, because if you look at this, if anybody looks at this, just like you take a step back, this is forest for the trees, right? If you drew a trend line on this chart, it's moving in a downward fashion <laughs> yeah. since the early 1980s. So if there's some kind of idea or suggestion that we have to normalize, we have to get back to a more normal environment, that means that this line probably does have to go up and stay up for a long period of time, which is that higher for longer idea. I would then ask, and, and maybe we need to get a bull on this show so that I can ask them live. If that's the case, <clears throat> make the bull case for me at these valuation levels, right? Because I think a lot of a lot of the case right now and a lot of the purchasing that's going on, the appetite for risk that's going on is based on the idea that the Fed may be able to somehow normalize rates back down in the absence of a catastrophe, right? And I just don't know that that's something that's possible. They could, it, it's, it's improbable. I suppose it's not impossible, but 
the idea that they could, okay, you know what? We averted catastrophe. We averted recession. So now we're at 525. Let's get back down to, I don't know, three and a half mm -hmm. or something like that. And we'll do it very gradually. Okay. Everything's going to be smooth. We're going to be like Care Bears on the cloud. I think that's a 15% chance of that. So, okay. and, okay. and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole necessarily, uh -huh. but think about the think about how large the commercial real estate market is. Think yeah. about their double whammy of COVID people not going back to the offices and oh by the way rates moved 500 basis points think about what they're dealing with right now think about the banks that are subject to whatever happens there think about the potential credit event on the back of that yep. not being priced in at all i mean in terms of some individual reits maybe yes some of these mall stocks maybe yes but in terms of the impact to the economy definitely not and your point about higher for longer, this is exactly what Jamie Dimon's been saying mm -hmm. if you care to listen to him over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's shouting it from the hilltops. Be prepared for 6 or 7% Fed fund rate, and mm -hmm. it's going to be sticky for a while. I happen mm -hmm. to agree with him. Mm -hmm. The market's not preparing for that. The market's yeah. preparing for something entirely different. Yep, yep. That's just my view. Let's take a look at the S&P real quick okay. because we're through that August high, clearly here at 44 and change. Move through it. Blew through it is yeah. right. I think the high in August, I think the high level was 43.35, whatever. But here we are now. Moving average is still flattening out. I'm not, I'm not asking you to play armchair technician, but mm -hmm. you know, this is a good looking chart, as almost as good looking now as the NASDAQ is, although extended. So people say, I don't know what you people are looking at, but this looks great. I would submit the farther away, farther being distance, mm -hmm. that we get away from the 200-day moving average. And now we're a couple standard deviations away. Mm -hmm. There's a mean reversion thing that's going to happen at some point. Whether it happens at you know 38.50 or 39.50, wherever that line comes in, or whether it happens tad higher, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be pleasant when it does. And, the, and again, the more we move in a straight line higher, the more dangerous this whole thing gets. I mean, yeah. that's... In the experience of trading things, that's typically what happens. So people feel great today. I don't know what the catalyst is going to be, but this is going to be painful when it reverts. Yeah, well, the slope of the line always matters, right? And the, and the way that I don't, they do math different today than they Who's did when they? I was a kid. When they teach kids oh, math in school, yeah, right? I'm not, I'm you old. learn the slope of a line is the rise over the run. That's how. That's the definition of the slope. At least that's what was drilled into my head. Like I don't that. know if they still call it that. But anyway, the rise over the run. Okay, so... If the rise is really steep and the run is really short, you get a, a really steep slope of the line. We've got a really steep slope of the line here. And if you look at periods, I mean, even in just this chart over this period, we'll just go back to the beginning of 22, yeah. okay? Anytime that the slope was this steep or steeper, there was a pretty steep precipitous drop right afterwards. Now, I'm going to make the other argument, not because I believe this other argument, but because if there was a bull sitting here, this is what they'd say. Okay, yes, mean reversion does happen. Who's to say that the blue line has to come down to meet the yellow Fair. one? Maybe the 200-day moving average just slowly grinds its way higher, and that's where the mean reversion occurs. Possible, right? But then you have to believe that this rally is sustainable, sustainable. for a long enough time. And then you ask the question, well, what's 200 days? What's 200 trading days? It's not quite a year, but it's close-ish, right? 250-something, maybe 248 right. or something, yeah. So in order for that yellow line to come up, if we'd have to keep rising or at least maintain this, for, I don't know, at least another few months, if not six months. Into right? the fall. Right. So that is what you have to believe, right? Possible. And it's I think it's actually possible that summer is kind of quiet. Because if we don't get any data that's terribly disappointing, if we've got a Fed that's sort of on hiking vacation for a while, and CPI continues to fall, we get good inflation data, 
okay, then maybe summer's kind of quiet. We continue on this rally. We get kind of inflated valuations. At some point, we have to have sustained participation from the rest of the market. We got a sniff of it last week. We got a sniff of small caps. Mm -hmm. We got a sniff of some of the cyclical sectors, right? But they didn't necessarily stay engaged. And we need to see that equal weighted S&P come back, right? You need to have sort of this concert and crescendo of a bunch of different signals coming together. And I think the most frustrating part for people like us right now is I feel like there's already been a concert and crescendo of negative signals, but the market continues to be like, shut up. <laughs> By the way, I want to point out to people, you've actually been a person over the last couple of weeks that said this rally is probably going to continue. I mean, yeah. you've been yeah. on this bandwagon. Yeah. You, you know, I know you don't believe the bandwagon, but you've been on the bandwagon. So you're yeah. sort of hanging out with these people you don't yeah. particularly well, like. I didn't buy into it. No, right? but you, I still watch it. You My didn't eyes buy are bleeding. into it, but you understand and yes. you thought this could happen. Yes. Take a look at yields real quick. We mentioned twos, tens. I mean, again, you tweeted it yesterday. That move was nuts yesterday, but nobody mm -hmm. seems to care. Mm -hmm. But here we are. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's, again, I don't want to pretend to know what's going to happen, but this is what I think is going on in terms of yields. And I thought it, mm -hmm. yesterday it was actually pretty crystallizing for me as the S&P dropped about 50 handles. Mm -hmm. And then you had a flight to quality in the form of TLT, which drove 10-year yields lower. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Then obviously the market came back. I still think what's happening here is the weakness in the economy is manifesting itself in 10-year yields going down. And okay. the stickiness of inflation is manifesting itself in terms of two yields being sticky, if not going higher, which is actually showing up in the two's 10 spread. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Historically, we talked right. about it earlier in the show, so I don't want to get bogged down. But if you look at this, am I on to something here? Or are we just going to sort of stall out and maybe 10 year yields potentially do go higher? I don't know. I think if we get a signal in July or, or as we get closer to July, because you know what's going to happen is all the Fed officials are going to go out and what do they they flap their jaws is that the, mm -hmm. is that the phrase they're gonna they're gonna start to parade them out over the next couple of weeks. and then there's going to be maybe a new expectation that's what'll move some of the expectations of the market so if we get expectations that it's actually true they're going to hike again in july then i think there's probably a chance the whole but that's like a whole curve shifts upward right that's what would be a parallel shift in the yield curve Today, we got kind of a parallel shift downward, which was interesting, right? Especially <laughs> after the commentary that we got yesterday. So will yields kind of stay? I, actually, I think last week I said we were going to be kind of stuck in this mm -hmm. range on yields. What's interesting about yields is it's kind of like energy, right? So if you look at, and I mean oil stock, mm -hmm. oil as a commodity, not necessarily energy stocks. If you look at those signals as the cyclical indicators, so you've got a 10-year that can't decide whether or not we're going up or down. You've got energy that kind of can't decide whether or not we're going up or down. It's just this waiting game. And I I mean, I really don't know how that ends. I don't know if we need a catalyst to the upside. I don't know if at some point we just kind of get exhausted being negative about it, or if there is, in fact, going to be a catalyst to the downside that finally proves some of those points or proves these signals to be correct. I would actually be interested in your take. Have you, have you ever had a period in your career what, no matter what the position was that you were in in the markets, where it's been this stuck for this long, with it feels like without direction. I yeah. know the market has had direction for shorter periods of time, and right now it feels like the direction is upward, right? But the rest of the signals not moving in the same direction. Right. Just sort of, you right. know, they, they can't figure it out one way so or has, another. Has this ever happened? I, I don't. I, I'd have happen? to think about that, but in, off the top of my head, no. Okay. I mean, when I traded the gold market, there were periods of time where it made sense for it to move in a direction and it yeah. didn't do it but yeah. gold market i don't want to compare it to what the treasury market is because it's dwarfed by the treasury market 
the fact that yields are struggling to figure this out in the t- that speaks to the confusion I think we're all feeling. I mean, we're sort of stuck in this range. I think the bulls want to see yields go higher as counterintuitive as that might sound because it speaks to maybe an economy that's getting back on its feet. Mm-hmm. The flip side is if yields go down, that might seem bullish, but it's not bullish because the economy, it's the economy slowing down. So I'm with you on the cross current thing. I can't put my yeah. finger on it. We mentioned, let's just pull this slide up. European Central Bank diverges from Fed, raising rates to the highest in 22 years. We address that. Mm-hmm. They clearly see what's going on. Their economy sucks. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The inflation is, they're saying, what's worse? You know, what do we want to deal with? They want to deal with inflation. And I get it. And I actually think they're on the right course. Yeah. Market, again, doesn't seem to care. This is interesting. If we can pull up this, um, and you talked about liquidity. There's something going on here. And, you know, if you look at this chart, the next chart if we can pull up. I mean, this speaks to the NASDAQ, you know, sort of going lower left, mm-hmm. upper right, but liquidity is mm-hmm. being drained. Mm-hmm. Something's got to get you. You talked about it earlier. The yep. chart speaks to exactly that. Yeah. Something, so, something's well, got to give here. OK, so here's the thing. What's happening right now, and I'm not going to get too far into the weeds on this kind of math and everything, because honestly, I'll confuse myself even. But there's there's three pieces of liquidity that are going to fall imminently starting yeah. starting today. OK, we've In got corporate taxes liquidity significant liquidity corporate taxes are due obviously that takes money away you've got the rebuild of the general account right that's going to suck treasury out treasury general account with like 1.4 trillion dollars yep and you've got ongoing qt which so far has actually been offset by the draining of the treasury account okay so we stop draining the treasury account we have to refill it right. qt isn't going to stop they're, the so fed's not, not going to mon- they said they're not going to monetize this so debt that's not going to be offset so you've got the the regular effect of QT that's going to start to happen. Also, liquidity coming out because of rebuilding the TGA, plus corporate tax receipts are due. So there's there's this sort of trifecta of sucking liquidity out of the system that you don't really, it's not tangible, right? As investors, we don't see it. It's not like home builders where we can be like, mm-hmm. okay, here's the number of homes that need to be built and here's how, whatever. It's not a tangible thing. It's almost like we have to just kind of watch, hold our breath and say, what's going to happen? Is it going to be okay? Are we going to do there, it? though. It might happen. It's going know? to happen. It. Yeah. And you look at charts like this. So you've got this is just the NASDAQ versus the S&P. But you think about what's happened in the NASDAQ and those big names in the S&P that have driven this rally versus this is Strategus's measure of liquidity, but versus a liquidity indicator. So you've got liquidity in the red and you've got stocks in the blue. What's happened recently is this pretty big divergence. And the red line projected to go down into that light blue line, right? So liquidity coming out of the market what probably and what history has suggested should happen is that the stock line comes down with it. Agreed. And you've got these big divergences. Divergences do not last forever. Now, again, the big question is we don't know how the divergence ends. We don't know how the mean reversion occurs. It could be in a positive way. But on this chart in particular, I'm pretty sure liquidity isn't increasing right now. So the only way that this divergence ends is that the blue line comes down. It has to. Did you take the SATs? ACT. I didn't ask you about the ACT. <laughs> I said, no. did you take, no. I mean, no. no, I mean, it's amazing. You ask a question. <laughs> you, it's a pretty simple question. So no, I didn't guy. No, I say that. Cause let's look at the next, the, the next chart. <laughs> so if I saw this on the SATs, I'd be like, seriously, I'm going to skip it. Cause I have no friggin' idea what this means. NTM PE. I mean, next 12 Yeah. Months. I mean, this is like, <laughs> makes my eyes water, but let's play it out here because I do think <laughs> it's a, again, it's another storyteller. Yeah. 
NTO stands for next 12 months. Another way to say that would be the forward PE. Okay. Forward stands for next 12 months. Thank you. Anyway, acronyms aside, same, same measure here. This is that same net liquidity measure. And we know that that's probably falling over the imminent future. And then you've got a PE that has risen again on the S&P. I think we're at 18.8 times right now. Yeah. The PE typically follows liquidity. But this is the thing. We know that, right? We've had excess liquidity in the system for a long time. And I want to I try to kind of square this yield curve thing too. If you're a bull and you think, okay, if the two-year yield comes down, that means that the Fed's going to stop this tightening cycle. That's good for markets. If the 10-year sort of rises, that means the economy is okay. That's good for markets. That means that the yield curve uninverts, right? Or re-steepens, so to speak, right? From these levels, and you can go back and look at a long-term chart, which I'm happy to provide for people if they want it. From these levels, a yield curve re-steepening, we've covered this ad nauseum, is typically not a good sign right. for the market. So in theory, it sounds like the causes of the re-steepening should be good for us. But the reality is that they don't ever really time that very well, right? They stay high for too long, and then the, the cuts happen because we're trying to save something, not because we're trying to normalize. So when you think about the PE where it is now and think about what would take it to the next level, what takes us from 18.8 times to 20 again? Probably more liquidity, and that's not coming. The liquidity is not coming. Or this somewhat perceived flight to quality in the form of the U.S. equity markets vis-a-vis -vis everything else that's going on. People are willing to pay more for a dollar's worth of earnings in U.S. equities because of, again, that's a, a, a somewhat flight to quality. I'm doing the air quotes here. Mm -hmm. You're paying up in a period where you shouldn't be paying up. Look at the next chart. It speaks to, I mean, we want to talk about, we had a consumer chart, I think, if we can just throw that up. Consumer, consumer sentiment. People spending, we saw that earlier. I don't know if I have the slide. I apologize. Oh, there it is. U.S. consumer retail sales unexpectedly rise. Consumer resilience. I don't want to mm. spend a lot of time on this. I'll say this. I've said it for years on Fast Money. I've said it on this show. I never underestimate the U.S. consumers want to spend. They will for always sure. spend money unless. I love spending money. Exactly. <laughs> unless something happens that scares the shit out of them. And it's happened yeah. over periods of time. In, in October of 18, into Christmas, Consumer spending stopped on a dime because the market went down 19.9% in a straight line. The market is typically what scares people, and there's nothing scary about the market. So this does not surprise me at all. Yeah. But again, with each passing day, credit card debt north either side of a trillion dollars, you know, that's a problem in a rising interest rate environment, especially mm -hmm. if unemployment's going to start to tick higher. So I don't want to get bogged down here. The one one thing I want to look at is, and this is something you've talked about, home builders define. Mm -hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say that. They don't defy logic because we've actually been bullish on home builders for a while. But the home builders are telling you party on because things are great. Garth. Lenore, Garth. <laughs> Garth is one of those names. I would never name a kid. I mean, Garth Brooks, have you seen him? You probably have. Of course. Yeah, I'm a country fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Favorite what does Garth's, he play that one Garth's song? song is The River, by the way. No. Bruce Springsteen did a song, The River. I will I take. I think it's the same. I, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> I think we're talking about different I rivers. I would take Bruce's <laughs> river over Garth's river. Garth's I think river. it's a great song. Anyway. Anyway. We look at these stocks. Pulte Homes, all-time all yeah. high, DHI. Yeah. All these stocks are off to the races. And it makes sense because it's not necessarily about the economy. It's about supply-demand imbalances that still exist with the home builders. So yeah. they're, they're loving life right now in a rising interest yeah. rate environment. It's not counterintuitive. It actually makes sense. 
this is going to there's going to be a day of reckoning here, but it's not for a while. And when I say a while, it's probably not until early 2024. So these stocks can continue to sort of make this move, I think. And I'm not asking you to play stock I think, market, I think but they, they make sense. Right. And then but here's the thing. If they turn down, you know, what's going to happen is people self-included, frankly, are going to say, well, you should have watched lumber. Did you see what lumber did? Did you see what copper did? What do you use to build a house? You use lumber and copper, right? Sure. And if those are not And you know what else you use? Use strength tape. and fortitude. Duct tape. <laughs> like that cat that I see these commercials now. You can like put all this shit on your whole house and water will never get in. I mean, you might not get out, but water's not getting in. Anyway, please continue. Um, one thing I want to mention before you went to Home Builders about the consumer. But here's the, here's the other thing. This is all kind of related. Tomorrow, Friday. we're going to get, yes, Friday. Yeah. Friday. Don't please. Okay. Um, we are going to get Don't University of Don't Michigan. Be that person. Yes. Oh, I'm going to be that person just to tick you yeah, off. And you're succeeding. Yeah. University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment. All right. I, and now I could be wrong about this, but I think it's going to be really hot. I agree with you. Because here are a number of reasons. Number one, inflation has come down, right? If you're a consumer, you're concerned with our prices rising or falling. And everything is telling you that prices are falling. Number two, market's up. If you're, if People you're an investor, the market. Unbelievable. if you're alive, you feel good. right? You're happy that the market's up. That's and rearview mirror. Yep. And you hear things like home builders are doing well. The housing market is still strong. The labor market is still decently strong. You've got the unemployment rate went up a little bit, but we're still printing payrolls. So I think consumer sentiment is going to come in hot. That's another reason why I think this rally can keep going. Yeah. Again, I didn't buy the rally. Now, do I wish I would have known to like buy NVIDIA in January? Of course, I wish I would have known a lot of things. There are a lot of things I wish I knew all the time, but I didn't buy it. But I think that it can keep going because the data is going to support some of that bull case, at least in the short term. Always remember, though, the sentiment readings, whether it's consumer confidence from Conference Board or the University of Michigan, they are fickle. Somebody, somebody argued with me if that's the right word to use. Anyway, they they can turn on oh, a absolutely. dime. Fickle's the right word. And they're only taken in a very short snippet of time, right? They're taken in like a one week period. So if you're feeling good that week, you're going to say you're feeling good. It could be completely different the week after. Anyway, that's all to say, I think tomorrow's reading is going to be good. Great. Uh, a donkey, by the way, this is from Jacob. Oh, thanks, and so Jacob. I was actually, yeah. remember I said a donkey is its own unique species. So donkey is its own unique species, which is what I said. Okay. While a mule is a cross between a horse and a donkey. Wow. You looked at me cross-eyed. <laughs> I said, how did you know that? <laughs> Be because a, a mule has to be different than a donkey. I just, you know, I just didn't think there was a lot of and then farms you talked about in Jersey. What has that got to do with anything? Well, I mean, there are not Jersey. a lot of medieval castles either, but yeah. doesn't mean I don't know about them. <laughs> I mean, there are not a lot of kings and queens. and not Right? Uh -huh. But you, you okay. read. Yeah. That's what I do. Oh, you read about donkeys. If, if, uh -huh. all, <laughs> if we only sort of focus on our vertical, then how – how boring would we be? Pretty boring. That's why they're yeah. books. That's why people like me actually go to libraries so, you know, and go to Barnes and Noble and sit in the corner. You heard it here first. Guy reads books about farm animals. Yeah. That's that's what I'm Animal Farm, uh, George Orwell. Do you remember that? Yes. You might want to read it again read it, because but... it's all playing out. Okay. I'm just saying. Oh. We went over time. I did here. actually just read 1984. But, you did? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Look at you. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Did you have fun? This was fun. I did. This was much more fun than, yeah. you know, hanging out with the SDs on the IC. Well, and everybody comes away from this knowing more about donkeys and mules. Of course. If You're nothing, welcome. If nothing else. You're all welcome. A <laughs> um, couple things. Monday's a holiday. Halls. Yeah. So we're not yeah. our typical, not that you care, 
but market call on Monday is not going to happen because the market's closed. Yeah. So it's a long weekend this week, and Juneteenth is Monday. Pretty sure we still have to record a podcast. Do you, I'm sure we'll do something, but I'm talking <laughs> so about actually, this, what we're doing so right now. actually, it's not a holiday Market call. <laughs> God. Okay. Okay. The radio thing's happening, and you're actually joining us for the radio thing. Oh, I am? On Monday? I, I believe so. Oh. I mean, maybe it's news, news to, to you. Me. I don't know. Oh, maybe you're not. I don't know. Maybe who the hell not? But whatever. Basically, I'm working all day Monday well, no, you're is what I'm hearing all day right Monday. <laughs> But I want to thank our sponsors. Obviously, I want to thank FactSet, Financial Data and Analytics, you know, powered by tomorrow. Okay. And SoFi, Elizabeth, yeah. get your money right all in one app. How many people in your friend group? I met one of your friends, you Edgy did. Broad. I yeah. love her. Yeah. She's fantastic. Tiny great, little great thing. Great gal. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to say her name, I know, because you might be listening. <laughs> you have great friends. How many of your friends call you Elizabeth? Um, a few, a actually. Few. Yeah. People seem to think that the name Elizabeth is a term of endearment. When you go by a shortened version, which most people do, they go yeah. by Liz or they go by Beth or whatever, Betty. You're you, Beth. There's a lot of different. No, absolutely. Never yeah, call no. me that. Nobody ever called me that. Yeah. Um, but people do think that Betty, calling you Elizabeth. I would never call you I Betty. was actually named after a great grandmother, Betty. Elizabeth, uh -huh. So Elizabeth is a family name. So yeah, okay. Betty. Yeah. But you know, My you know. car's name is Betty. So, I, I mean, I'm, you know, okay. I'm consistent. We're going to talk about people that name their cars. <laughs> Sort of the problems, like the inner turmoil that they deal with for another anyway, show. Yes. Occasionally, people will call me Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. Your mom calls you? Punchka. <laughs> That's the honest answer. She has always, she's joked a long time that just wait until it gets out that I call you Punchka. We just did. Which, which is donut hole in Polish. Okay. See, we've gone a lot of different <laughs> angles here. We'll come back to donut holes next week. On this episode. But that's it for today's market call. I'm sorry we ran over it. Amanda's yelling, but I don't have my IFB in, so I don't hear her. I want to thank you. Obviously, Dan's doing yeah. his thing. He deserves it. Uh, we'll be back on market call on Tuesday. So check it out. Thanks, peeps. Yeah.